Hey guys, sports betting season is in full force. NHL and NBA playoffs, we enjoyed those, and now football season is here. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800 69 BetUS. That is 800 MyBetUS. US, you can receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses also. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a lot of reasons. No matter what the season, BetUS has all the games, NBA, NHL, team, player props, loads of NFL and college plays, whether futures or individual game odds. You can bet UFC matches and props, PGA golf, golf and round matchups and live betting on most sports including golf. The online casino has hundreds of games and the race book has all your horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable and the Sharp Bet US mobile platform is easy with full betting options. Follow my lead and partner with a sports betting company with integrity and longevity like I did. Bet US. You bet, you win, you get paid. Bet US. In the South, it's always college football season. And the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Now we're doing the Chuck Oliver Show live from the floor of Harris Cherokee Casino and Resort, Cherokee, North Carolina. I'll say floor. I will turn and look behind me. If you're watching on Twitch, you can see me. I'll turn and look behind me. Uh, yeah, we were at the all-new sportsbook. We were here when they cut the ribbon back yonder in March, uh, March Madness. We were here for uh, the draft at the end of April, baseball season all through the summer, football season been coming up here as well as Harris in Murphy, North Carolina, Harris Valley River in Murphy, North Carolina as well. So I appreciate everybody who has joined us as well because uh, a lot of y'all have come throughout here. Anywhere you're hearing my voice, the entire network right now, less than a day's drive to Harris in North Carolina. So I appreciate everybody who joins us. Uh, LandryFootball.com uh, is about the best site going when it comes to college football, pro, high school recruiting, all of it. Chris Landry joins us every Wednesday. Appreciate him in hour one. You know, hour two is always Russ Mitchell from College Football News. We will talk to him bottom of the hour. Also, Mark Hockman uh, coming on and going to talk Miami Hurricanes football. He is afternoons with uh, Channing Crowder, former uh, the Florida linebacker. They're at uh, 560 QAM down yonder, 790 uh, the ticket in Miami. So we'll have Mark Hockman on talking Miami as well. But right now, we'll get you up to date. Everything you need to know about college football every single day. This is CFB 365. Headline, Oklahoma's Riley downplays interest in LSU job. And that's just about the most important thing going on today. Um, As we learned, Chris Landry, we talked to him. uh, This is not a new thing. Uh, It would not surprise me if... By the time this this winds up getting resolved, LSU, I mean, they're not a fruitcake at Christmas. They don't get passed around. They don't, you know, wind up, you know, sixth choice. But there was, there's already one guy who is looking at the LSU job as a real Lincoln Riley, as a realistic option, uh, while his priority is to sweeten his own deal and his ability to win at Oklahoma. Uh, it's, as I started the show with today, there are a lot of reasons that, 
LSU is still a possibility for Lincoln. But uh, he only downplayed it. He did not deny it because always good to have options, especially if it can help you in your own situation. Headline, Big 12 finds Baylor $25,000 for field storming. That's uh, a fine you will, will gladly pay. Now it goes up from here if you care about that. I think it's $100,000 and quarter of a million. Uh, we will stay in the Big 12. Headline, Texas AD back Sarkeesian, quote, no time to splinter. And that is Texas Longhorns AD Chris Del Conte, a guy that I got to know a little bit when he was at TCU. Uh, very aggressive, very out front, very public guy, and he knows about winning. And this is the program's worst losing streak in 65 years. Quote, we're all disappointed. There's a lot being said. This is not the time to splinter or pull apart. Stay positive, remain united. Uh, this was his weekly message to Longhorn uh, season ticket holders, boosters, etc. Uh, it's what the AD says in year one. It's not what the AD says in year five. It's just not. What was it? Um, what was I saying? The president that just got it. Oh, uh, at, was it at Miami? president said, I'm a, oh, yeah, Blake James. Fire Blake James. President, Miami, about two months ago. Yeah, I think I'm going to be a little more hands-on in athletics. You know who that's bad for? Everybody who was hired before he was. And so that's just kind of how it goes. Not my guy. Well, this is your guy, Chris Del Conte. And he's, you know, 10 games into his first season. So uh, no need to splinter on this guy's performance, which is actually a reflection of your performance. So Chris Del Conte knows how the game is played. Uh, consider yourself up to date there. Um, as I said, we got uh, coming up on the program, you know, it's every Wednesday, Russ Mitchell. Well, that's just a general fly around the SEC and some college football. But I mentioned Miami and Blake James uh, and getting a new AD. This was unexpected, at least in the order of things and perhaps in the outcome, because the focus was really on Manny Diaz and Manny Diaz's performance, because there's a win or a loss that we can all turn on the TV every Saturday afternoon and see Manny's performance. Well, we can't do that with the AD, except in a place like Power 5 football, the ACC, the U. Manny and the Kane Saturday performance, that was now an evaluation of Blake James to a guy who did not hire him. So the thought was, all the concentration was, all right, we're evaluating Manny. Maybe Manny gets fired. If Manny got fired, and again, this is a conversation I had a month ago before there was a little bit of a spike up. If Manny gets fired, I said to me was, it won't be Blake James making the hire. Well, they went ahead and skipped that first part. Manny looks around and is like, really? I thought that I was kind of the precursor to all of it. And that is not how it works. So uh, that is the first thing. And there's a lot of other and still on field what Miami is trying to get done the rest of the season. And, and uh, they've got they've got work to do out there. Um Florida State game certainly didn't help him get there. So we'll talk to Mark Hartman again uh, about Kings football. That's coming up next. Now back to the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. All week, all year, it's all college football on the Chuck Oliver Show, broadcasting live from the Sportsbook at Harris Cherokee in Cherokee, North Carolina. Miami Hurricanes have a chance to still finish with, if if you closed your eyes at the beginning of the season and then open them uh, the, the evening of November 28th, there is a chance you're looking at a 7-5 and five team. Um, and there's also 
real possibility that it could have been much better than that. But um, that is the chance, and what's done is done. Uh, you're playing Virginia Tech. They don't have a coach. Uh, you're playing Duke, and Duke's horrid. And you're Miami, and you have talent. So you can finish 7-5. and five. Now, 7-5 and five ain't the goal at Miami. It's not supposed to be, at least not between my years. Uh, bowl projections. Certainly there are a lot of different bowl projections out there involving the Miami Hurricanes, and you can have a 13th game. And I always say I like that for the kids. All right, they get a, a watch and a Best Buy gift card and a hat and, you know, whatever else, and they get to go to, to like a Brazilian steakhouse and try to out-eat the other team. So they get a big experience. Miami, I have seen projected more than anywhere else. Uh, December 23rd, the Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa. Again, it's a 13th game, which is better than not. That's not the goal at Miami. So that's that's where it looks like the program is headed and the possibilities uh, that still exist. I want to welcome on now a guy who talks Miami every single day, WQAM, a truly great station yonder in Miami. It is Mark Hogman. Mark, how are you doing, brother? I'm good. You you kind of tried to put a little lipstick on a pig there, you know, get a little bowl game and seven and five, but uh, yeah, not the not not what we expected as Hurricanes fans. Yeah, and honestly, the the reason I can you know be looking at the colors of lipstick is because it's not my team, it's not my goals that weren't <laughs> achieved, and I try to always get into that mindset of I can I can describe this season potentially uh in these terms seven and five a 13th game blah 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 but you always have to have that against the backdrop of what are the goals the expectations etc um talk about where manny has the program right now today yeah it's not uh i mean obviously uh the athletic director and the university have parted ways as of this week. So you start to feel like, okay, things are going to be corrected. So there happens to be a little bit of a vibe of, of hope, but take that out of the equation right now. It's been a disappointing season. I'll give them a lot of credit. They started very slow. I mean, the loss to Alabama week one, no one, no one faults anybody for that. You lose to Alabama. That's okay. Um, but then it got a little dicey, and the loss to Michigan State wasn't great. And they really came out strong towards the uh, the end of the season. But that loss last weekend to FSU really kind of drove home to Hurricanes fans because the game was yours for the taking, you know. And and Miami is all about that swagger, and Manny Diaz as the head coach, you know, he's really. Uh, really built his bones on on defense and and to give up a fourth and 14 essentially for the season not a not a great it's just not a great time to be a miami hurricanes fan uh you know i ask about players now and i'm not trying to you know be facetious here but i I, i'm gonna ask about like tyler van dyke going forward i don't know if he is going forward at miami i mean he could be and there was nothing about tyler or the program that that comments on it's just that there is really an asterisk next to every question about you know future for players and whatever um but what do you think your observations what do you think the program has in tyler van dyke the uh, redshirt freshman's been slinging it the past several weeks I am super impressed with him. His numbers have been great. You know, he started a little bit slow against FSU, but that's all right. You know, up in Tallahassee, his first start up there. Um, but I, I've been super impressed with him. And to, to be quite honest, I thought this season completely hinged on De'Ara King and his health. And, you know, he was in there in the beginning. I don't know if he ever really looked like himself like he did last season. 
Um, but I really thought the season was dependent on De'Ara King. And the more I've watched Tyler Van Dyke, you start to question it a little bit. You start to scratch your head and go, huh, I wonder if it was Tyler Van Dyke all season. If things may have been different, he would have had some more games, some more snaps under his belt. So I, I think, uh, and I'm putting myself in this, I think Hurricanes fans are pretty excited about the quarterback position. Jalen Knighton, uh, I've liked that kid since he showed up on campus. Uh, i got to be honest, I never expected him to have games where he got 30 carries, but, um, you know, injuries happen, you do what you do. He was never supposed to have this kind of workload, though, right? But, but, but he's producing at, you know, kind of the level of his talent. I like him. That's the dude. Like, I went, I went to University of Miami from 87 to 91. I mean, it was the heyday. Oh, wow. we, we have, right. So we've seen some. Is that Stephen McGuire? In the, yeah. yeah that was one of the McGuire, t- toughest kids I have ever seen carry the football, man. He didn't care. Wow. Um, I, I've seen, you know, kids come through the program that they exude that Miami Hurricanes feel and they've got legit talent on the football field. And, man. Time Jalen Knighton has the ball in his hands, I get that feeling. So, like you know, and so you asked about Tyler Van Dyke, and you start thinking about next season. You go, okay, TVD, and you got Jalen Knighton, the Rooster. There's some pieces there. Uh, you're right, though. One of the big uh, concerns was the number of carries, because obviously you don't want to work a kid to death. Uh, but when you are <laughs> down uh, a lot of players, there's there's only so many things you can do. But yeah, Jalen Knighton, he feels like the real deal and and hurricane style too. All right, uh, and again, I'm just looking at some positives here, especially for a kid like Charleston Rambo, who leaving high school, five stars, I think. Everybody loved him, All-American, this, that, and a third. Leaving Norman, Oklahoma, it wasn't quite as rave reviews. I heard uh, disinterested as a teammate, frying pans hooked to his wrist. Uh, He just doesn't produce. Um, He's produced this year. Yeah, he's been good. I think uh, I think a lot of Hurricanes fans. Now he has had a couple of instances where those frying pans came back, but that's all right. Every receiver is going to have drops here and there. Charleston Rambo has been everything. You know, you go shopping for lack of a better term in the transfer portal, and you really don't know what you're getting. There's a reason that kids are in the transfer portal. Usually, yep. it's because either. They didn't get the amount of playing time that they were expecting or have the success that they were expecting at whatever program they were at. And so you start to ask, okay, well, why didn't they get that playing time or why didn't they have that success? So you never really know what you're going to get. But I would consider Charlton Rambo an A in the uh, in the acquisition via transfer portal. He, he has been a, uh, a super potent part of the Hurricanes offense. Uh, all right, that, and that's all positives, and I love it, and I mean that. We have to talk defense, and I will say I'm going to lay this at Manny's feet because that's his resume. That's, that's, that's his calling card. They're not good defensively. Um, is there context that we all need to know about? Did they have five opt-outs? Have they had lost ten starters to injury? Because I don't think that all of that's happened. You can give context to anything, right? I mean, we do this for a living. You can give context to you can give context to anything. The bottom line is this, and it's what you just said. Manny Diaz is a defensive guy. He came to national prominence because he was the defensive coordinator for the Miami Hurricanes yep. um, when when they introduced the turnover chain, and that was a national sensation. And that defense was biting, and he had that. Def- Defensive resume, and then this season, you know, they made a deal before the season. But he is 
taking back control of the defense. He's going to be your head coach, but he's also your de facto defensive coordinator. And I can give context to a lot of things that happen because I do think a lot of things oftentimes are not in the hands or the purview of the coach. But I can't get past the 4th and 14 against FSU. You have a 4th and 14 to save your season and really for Manny Diaz probably save your job because you go to Tallahassee, you win there, you mention the next two games, Virginia Tech and Duke shouldn't really be a problem. So you go up to Tallahassee, you win, you end up running the table at the end of the season. It feels like you got everything together. And, man, I don't know what happened there. And and allowing FSU all the time in the world to find an open receiver, and any receiver is going to get open with, with that amount of time. So that, that one play really kind of sticks in my head with Manny Diaz as – you're the guy that unveiled the turnover chain. Like, like you're all about that biting Miami Hurricanes defense. What happened on this one play that could change the entire narrative of the season and, and your coaching tenure? So I, I'm just – I'm still bothered by it. It's Wednesday. I'm still bothered. Is today Wednesday or Thursday? Yeah, it is Wednesday, Wednesday brother. Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, it'll stick I, with you. Uh, I'm still, I'm still bothered by that call on Saturday. It, it just it, it blows my mind because at least, you know, when you're like fast forward, we're going to have sacks and create turnovers and all that, but we give us some big play. They're not even creating sacks for very much or turnovers. It's just it's really been disappointing to me on that end of it. Like I said, you've been a Canes fan for 30-plus years. For me from the outside, Mark, it just drives me crazy when I see something not being done properly. That It's just kind of easy, like lining up correctly on defense. Mark, Appreciate the insight, man, and, uh, you know, two more games. See how it turns out, brother. Yep, I'm with you. I'm rooting for them, and uh, I'm with you. Give me a bowl game. I don't care what it is. I'm, I'm always happy to watch my team in a bowl game. QAM, great station. Appreciate Mark Hoffman joining there. And when I say that they're okay with sacks, they're middle of the ACC. And that is, you know, every defensive coordinator, and in this case, head coach Manny, it's we're going to be fast and physical and aggressive. Watch Gene Chizik. I am a huge fan of Gene Chizik. I uh, love his product on TV. First two words out of his mouth when he starts fast and physical. And and he says them in those order in, in that order because that's what today's you have to be able to play, uh, play in space. And then a lot of that means you have to make that tackle. Um, it, you can choose to be aggressive. And they're giving up the big plays anyway without cashing in on sacks without cashing in on turnovers, they might be, I don't know they're going to be, they may not be last, but they're near near the bottom of the ACC as far as intercept, interceptions. Like I said, middle of the road on sacks. There's nothing special about them. And there is some special, some special talent on defense and more apparently on its way to arrive this uh, uh, recruiting class. So Manny still has work to do. the king of college football no matter where you go with a new southern sports today app catch the best college football conversation in the south everywhere with the sst live stream and daily podcast downloaded now at the app store and the google play store now more of the best college football talk in the country it's the chuck oliver show
back to the Chuck Oliver Show. Live on a Wednesday from Harris Cherokee Casino and Resorts in Cherokee, North Carolina. Appreciate everybody getting in for your college football conversation. Two hours a day, every single day. Been doing this since the beginning of the 14th season. If we can go back a little further than that, if we can DeLorean to October 23rd, 2004, that day the Florida Gators were at Davis Wade Stadium in Starkville, and it was a ranked Florida team. In fact, they had started the season number 11. And this was Ron Zook in his third season. Larry Fedora was his OC, and I've always liked Larry. Uh, Charlie Strong was the DC, and that comes up in another second. But they start the season as the number 11 team, and they lose to Tennessee, which was not unusual in 04. I mean, it wasn't expected. It, you know, Tennessee wasn't a better program, but, I mean, those were programs. They just threw sledgehammers at each other, and Tennessee got them. They lost to LSU, and that was at home, and that's no good. And then a 4-2 and two Florida team rolls into Starkville. And they're tied with not a great Mississippi State team, but it's 31-31, less than a minute to go. And Mississippi State is trying to drive for what would be a game-winning field goal attempt, which if you put it on a kicker, especially in college, there are programs like multiple – Nick Saban until about, I don't know, five or six years ago, Kirby changed that with the Camarda thing. Um, there are coaches who look at place kickers especially. Yeah, that's not a scholarship position. That's a preferred walk-on who maybe if you're a junior or a senior and there's one left over, maybe you get – but we don't even give – can you imagine an NFL team going, yeah, we don't pay kickers. We'll just get one off the scrap heap. So I don't leave anything up to a kicker. Try not to. That's what Mississippi State was doing. Then Jerry's Norwood went 37 yards down the sideline. That dropped Florida to four and three. And at four and three, UF announced that Ron Zook would not return. At four and three, the University of Florida announced that Ron Zook had been fired as head coach but would be allowed to coach out the rest of the regular season, and I'll be darned. I was at the game down in Jacksonville, actually on the sidelines that day, and I was doing a post game for Comcast. And so we're down there, and remember that that series? That series was on its ear at that point. That was Florida's game. Even in 2002, which was, to my mind, the best team that Mark Rick had in Athens. Even the 2002 team, coached by Ron Zook, not very well. And it wasn't a great team. You know what they did all night? Kelvin Kite and Carlos Perez caught a bunch of wide receiver screens and a pretty average Florida team. Well, not a great Florida team. Put an L on Georgia. Ruined their season, basically. So it's two years later. And this to that point where it was Mark Rick's best team and you look across the field and, hey, who's the head coach at Florida? Oh, the guy they demoted from defensive coordinator. Ron, you're in charge of a third of the team. Actually, you're not. You're not, you're not doing a good job. Two years later or three years later, hey, Ron, why don't you run the whole thing? Okay. Quizzical, but whatever. So they own that series and had for a minute. Donnan got him in maybe 98-ish, 98, I think. And then 2004 happened. 
Georgia beat them 31-24, and at that point, Florida fans are looking around. It's like, yeah, hey, we're 4-4, four and four. all is lost. They win three games to finish the regular season. Ron Zook fired and had been fired. He departed the property after beating Florida State. I was actually doing sidelines in that Peach Bowl that year. Charlie Strong took over from D.C. He was interim coach. So that was 2004, and the reason I bring that up is because that is a clearer reflection of Florida's goals and working to improve them in one particular way than what's going on right now. Florida's goals in 2004 were a national championship program, and they were, and they wanted to be, and then two years later, whammo, Urban Meyer happened. For the first time, Urban Meyer happened. Then Urban Meyer happened again. So, so give give Florida credit. They recognized these are this is not up to standards. We're Florida. We're not like everybody else. It's a huge win. Mississippi State's rushing the field. Good for them. We're going to have a new coach. And they got Urban Meyer. Now, when I say that's a clearer reflection, it's because we all understand firing a head coach. It is never supposed to be what it is in Gainesville right now. It is. Ne- you look at the standings. In the SEC, Florida can't, quote, catch Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's going to have a swing and miss in the SEC. Florida currently, and I mentioned this earlier, South Carolina, I, I believe they can win. They're at home against Auburn. And Auburn has had enough Saturdays where you look at their defense and go, mm, what are they doing? And with a backup quarterback and with three straight weeks of teams able to take away Tank Bigsby? Can South Carolina win? Absolutely. So so that could give the Gamecocks their third conference win, which just dropped that game in a fishbowl by itself. Florida finishes sixth in the SEC East. There is no scenario. There's not enough context. How much? What would it take? Could it happen? There is nothing I can tell you to say, oh, and now you understand how Florida finished sixth in its own division. And it's not even a great division. Great division. It's not. It's got a, a national championship program in the division. And then the rest of it, literally, up to finishing as runner-up, there for the taking. Against that backdrop. Even Vanderbilt with James Franklin was able to take advantage of that. Hadn't won nine games in a season since 1915. Won five. 1915 won nine games in back-to-back seasons. How did he do that? Look at Tennessee and Florida and Georgia in those two seasons. When the division is down, there was a coach at Vanderbilt that was able to take advantage of it. There is there, there is not enough explaining that I can do for you. Now, back to that word, a more clearly obvious reflection of the goals and what UF decided to do in 2004 because, well, fire and coach, we all know that. Not firing Dan Mullen. I don't believe. As we talked to Chris Landry earlier in the program today, he said, now, Chuck, when you say, yeah, he's probably not, he's like, that's a good way for you to put it. Because is he getting fired? Chris Landry said, I don't think so. Could he get fired? Absolutely. There's still work to be done. Could that happen? Yeah. Now, I gave you the scenario where South Carolina wins on Saturday and by winning, quote, clinches, 
not being sixth, not being last except for Vandy. Can I give you another scenario, which if you're a Florida fan, it should horrify you. Half the Florida fans listening right now should start hyperventilating in three, two, one. You could lose Saturday yourself. I had a Florida, not a, anybody in the media or anybody, just a real good friend of mine who's a Florida grad. And yesterday I saw him when I was leaving to come up to Harris, and he's like, y- y- you think we could lose to Missouri? And I looked at him and almost couldn't come up with words, and I talked for a living. I was like, huh? And, and it's one of those where you understood the question, but you just, you're just you stalling because I need to process this. Did this guy just – he watches his own team every week. You really think we could lose to Missouri? And I realized years ago at times like this, let's see, my first sarcasm, no, don't be sarcastic. Uh, I could be brutal, no, but just, just be direct. I looked at him and said, yes, Florida could go to Missouri and lose Saturday. That's kind of what he was after. I just gave him the bottom line answer. I skipped all the dramatics. Yeah, that they could go to Como and lose. They could. After what just happened this past Saturday, or the three Saturdays before that, or any Saturday over the last two months that doesn't involve playing Vanderbilt. After watching, and I mean, he even has SEC ESPN Plus, where you get to watch that that one game a year that's non-conference at home that they don't give you on SEC Network anymore. He watches every snap. You think we lose at Missouri? I was like, were you in a car wreck? Like, is there therapy you're going through right now? Because you've watched 10 games of this, and you're like, do you think we can lose to an SEC team on the road? It South Carolina could lose – 400 to nothing Saturday, and Florida still could finish sixth in the division. Because to answer my friend's question, yeah, you can lose in Como. More college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. If he can get more money and more resources, which he's got plenty of them at Oklahoma, don't get me wrong, but there's always room for more, right? As they go into the SEC, that's what he's looking for. That's the angle here. Chris Landry talking Lincoln Riley and his pursuit or not of the LSU job, and it's simply the availability of a job like LSU, which is big enough to lure the Oklahoma head coach, the successful Oklahoma head coach. He will not be asked about the TCU job because TCU is not the kind of job that gets him LSU. LSU is the kind of job that can get virtually anyone. I can get an NFL head coach at LSU. I can go get another SEC team, like a good SEC program, I probably can't get A&M, Bama. No, I can't get A&M, Bama, maybe somebody. I can get some other coaches if I wanted. So that's what that's what the job is and the ability to win and recruiting and all of this stuff. And he is, at this point, the priority is improving his own situation in Norman, which I get that. But uh, that was Chris Landry uh, talking earlier in the program. I had started the day uh, with his non-denial and – that there is one one sentence. I was reading the ESPN account. You can read the papers out yonder in, in, in Oklahoma City or anywhere you want to online. And it all includes 
it, it goes through the story that Lincoln Riley uh, downplays interest or you know, there's a lot of different words, but but that's all he did. He softened anyone's question. LSU's available. Are you interested? I, y'all know how much I love Oklahoma. I didn't say anything about LSU. So every account that I read, like three, somewhere down in the story, you get to Lincoln Riley's bio, and it said in the ESPN story from Rittenberg, uh, Riley has never coached in the SEC. Now, after that, it go before he started uh, he started his coaching career at Texas Tech, his alma mater, then went to East Carolina before being hired today, and he goes through and gives his background. But it started there with Riley has never coached in the SEC. He's about to. And if that's the case, it is certainly worth listening. If LSU were to hire, fanciful scenario, I'm not saying this happening. If LSU were to hire the old Miss head coach, he comes out and says, guys, I'm at Oklahoma. Uh, no disrespect, but I'm, I'm, I'm not leaving. I'm not, I'm not interested at all. For LSU, it's, oh, I love Oklahoma. What about LSU? Y'all know how I feel about the place where I am right now. Yeah, but Louisiana State, they got, no, mm, boy, Oklahoma, Norman, what a great place to raise a family. If it's Ole Miss, again, Ole Miss, we're here for your coach. And Ole Miss, you kind of look at them and, all right. Programs, you know the pecking order. Ole Miss, uh, you can do that to some folks. You did that to FAU. No offense, guys. We're here for your coach. We got to check. What do y'all have? A coaching opening. So, anyway, that Lincoln Riley and that is Chris Landry's uh, uh, boil down on it, and, and I agree with him, that LSU was such an amazing job to have. And that and Oklahoma are both, those, those, are t- those, those are of the 11 top five jobs in America. Both of those jobs are included. LSU's a little better especially with the growing dynamic. If OU wasn't changing conferences, best we knew? All right, I get it. Stay at Oklahoma. Clear path. You're still power five, clear path to win. So, again, that uh, Chris Landry from earlier in the day. Uh, yesterday was fairy tale day for college football media. Did y'all see this? Fairy tale day. And I am glad I did not get the memo. I saw so many media tweets, stories, feature stories, blurbs about this is what name image likeness was always supposed to be. Okay, Linus, this is talking about Jared Casey, the walk-on fullback from Kansas who caught the winning two-point conversion in Austin against the Texas Longhorns. This is what name image likeness was always supposed to be. Jared Casey, walk-on redshirt freshman fullback who had not played at all until Saturday. And his legit end of the rainbow sort of existence the past five days. And good for Jared Casey. He comes from a town of 1,800 people, no stoplights. His dad is the town insurance salesman, a volunteer fireman, and the mayor. That's his background. He's a walk-on at Kansas. His parents drove 11 and a half hours to be in Austin the other day. And after catching the two-point conversion, he has name-image likeness deals. He got a bunch of gift cards from Applebee's, filmed a commercial, which he's handing out to his offensive linemen and teammates. There's a car dealership after his brother said, you know what, he's put a lot of miles on that Kia back and forth from our little tiny town to Lawrence 
So he got a car deal. There's already a sign up, home of Jared Casey at the city limits. It's a tremendous story, and it is so far the outlier of what name image likeness was ever going to be. This was what it was always supposed to be. Hush. Applebee's gift cards weren't really the discussion. It was Pac-12 athletes. Do we remember? Did the Pac-12 athletes ask for Applebee's gift cards? Oh, no. They asked for 50% of all athletic revenue. That's what it was. That's I thought it was a gift card or half of the revenue. It, it, it was about how much millions Iowa football has brought in in the past four years, how much of that has gone to the kids. This was about millions of dollars and 16-year-old high school recruits building their brands and taking a full and fair slice of the financial pie. None of that's connected to Bourbon Street Steak or two for 20 in any way. So, Jared Casey, that was never. I saw so many people that I'm like, this person just tweeted this out. This is what it was always supposed to be about. It was never supposed to be about that. Dan, how are you today? Uh, it, because Chuck, here's the deal with the media, okay? You have a bunch of people who are the most miserable people on the planet who honestly believe that their entire existence here is to try to have everybody else, hey, live the life that I live because I'm such a perfect person. You're not a perfect person. So, yeah, then you get stories like this, which is a nice story. That's all good. But, no, it's supposed to be for JT Daniels, who was supposed to be a Heisman Trophy candidate. And then yesterday shows up doing yep. a Zaxby's ad on Twitter, and people are looking at it saying, he's the backup quarterback. Why is he doing a Zaxby's ad? Because he's marketable. That's why. These people want to sell chicken. They don't want to sell chicken with somebody of, oh, hey, that was a great story. What's that kid's name again? I mean, we've all forgotten by now that the kid that that was the long snapper for Florida or the holder, I can't remember exactly what he was, that he stocked shelves at Publix. It's a nice story, oh, yeah. but yes. It's a business. That's not how you're going to sell things. Um, yeah, I want to actually uh, really quick, you were talking about Lincoln Riley with uh, Chris Landry earlier. And people, I just want to tell you, stop falling for the traps with Scott Woodward. There are two things we know with Scott Woodward. And if you don't know them, then that's on you. Number one, you're not going to find out what he's doing. The only way that you're going to be right on somebody becoming the next head coach for LSU or at A&M or at Washington, wherever he's been, is basically to be like that viral video of the guy who has a bunch of bottle rockets in his hand and is using a cigarette to light said bottle rockets and shoot one off one by one. One of those bottle rockets will be the right one that you're shooting off. That's the only way that you're going to do it. The other thing, too, that we know about with Scott Woodward is it's a name that as soon as it hits, you look around and say, whoo. Wow, that's incredible. How the hell did he pull that off? So that's what's at play here. It's a name that we haven't heard yet. We even kind of, in a roundabout way, I don't know if he's involved in the LSU coaching search, but remember how yesterday Dave Bartu said he's involved in 17 of them yep. and not a single one that he's heard from media reports has been correct. So I think that's all you need to know. I need a personal goal and a team goal met by Georgia in these final few weeks of this season, the couple of weeks of the regular, and then the postseason that comes after that. The personal, George Pickens, it sounds like, is going to be closer and closer to getting on the field. I don't know if it's this week against Charleston Southern, but Chuck, next week would be a huge week for him to be able to get on the field and maybe be able to ramp up to enough of where you can maybe get a quarter or even a half of action in the SEC championship for him and try to gradually with practices and everything else build up for a potential playoff run. Are we aware just how bad Georgia Tech is defending the pass this season? How about to the tune of 117th in the nation? Yep. 
in defending the pass. That's the team goal for Georgia this week is not only does George Pickens professionally and personally have to prove, hey, I can get out here, I can play, the knee is good. And oh, by the way, I was a five-star for a reason. Georgia, with what we saw last week, we saw seven. We saw 29 pass attempts out of Stetson Bennett. Remember, I've talked about I need to see more out of him if you're really going to truly lead me to believe that he can beat Alabama, he can beat Ohio State, and he can beat whoever they face in the national title game. Because as of right now, with the way that the offense is, you're telling me you don't 100% trust that he can do all those things for you. So these final two weeks, you got a real opportunity to be able to ramp yourself up. Dan, good stuff. Agree with you on a lot of that offensively as well there in Athens. Uh, David, appreciate you as well. Everybody listening, the guest, Chris Landry, Mark Hockman. Glad to have him in. Uh, Everybody listening, give me 22 hours. That's all I need. Recharge the batteries, refresh. Be back this time tomorrow talking more college football right here on the Chuck Oliver Show.